0: Just go to Indeed.com slash wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Spurs Up Show, the West Gamecocks podcast on the internet. Today is Monday, March the 1st, 2021. Folks, it is our state. Our state, baby, South Carolina taking both games from Clemson over the weekend. Saturday, three to two final in Greenville in 11 innings. And of course, yesterday, eight to seven at Founders Park as the Gamecocks clinch the season series over the Clemson Tigers, guys. I'll give my takeaways TSUS Series MVP. Who's hot? Who's not? Talk about what's next. Really, we're going to spend all day today, guys, on a Monday celebrating. Two huge wins for Gamecocks. Baseball, South Carolina still undefeated on the season, and most importantly, capturing the best rivalry in all of college baseball in dramatic fashion. Of course, don't forget, we're also going to talk about men's basketball beating the Georgia Bulldogs. How about that? Gamecocks baseball and basketball winning on the same weekend, beating another rival in Georgia. I'll break down that game in its entirety. Also, news and notes. We've got your listener questions. And, of course, in fitting fashion, my oh my, we got a great conversation with former Gamecocks slugger L.B. Danzler as we talk about his career in Columbia, including the postseason, beating Clemson, of course. My oh my, how ironic. We'll talk about professional baseball as well. Much, much more to get into, guys. we got a fun one, and, I mean, a real fun one, here on a Monday, and it's all brought to you by our friends over at Upstate Movers Group. Guys, Upstate Movers Group, superior moving service. We, they bring care and attention other companies can't offer because they're just too busy maintaining trucks and profiting off of them instead of focusing on service. Guys, service is what separates Upstate Movers Group from the competition. They're not a trucking company, by the way. They're a moving services company, and they're also employee-owned co-op. Their movers are paid twice the industry average, and everyone on the crew is invested in your success. Guys, they have dedicated professional crew members, and they also offer black glove service. They offer end-to-end packing services, custom creating and packaging for special items, and cleaning services as well. They're founded by Greenville natives and University of Salcon alumni, guys, so a Gamecock owned small business. They also offer 20 years of project management moving experience, and they can offer logistics and solutions that traditional moving companies simply do not have the skills for. Guys, whether in the upstate or across the state of South South Carolina. If you have any moving needs in 2021, be sure to check out our friends over at Upstate Movers Group. You can find them on social media at Upstate Movers Group. And of course, if you have any questions, go to their website, UpstateMoversGroup.com. That's UpstateMoversGroup.com. Be sure to check them out and tell them Chris from the Spurs Up Show sent you. Let's get it. sacrifice our love you never take advice someday you'll pay the price i know i've seen it before it happens all the time you're closing the door you leave the world behind you're digging for gold you're throwing away a fortune and feelings but someday you'll pay Woo! let's go let's go dude I'm fired up. Welcome. Monday, March the 1st. We're beginning March in fantastic fashion and glorious fashion, folks. How you doing? I'm Chris Phillips. Your host of the Spurs Up Show, as always, and my, oh, my, if this is your first ever episode tuning in to the Spurs Up Show, boy, do we have a dandy for you all. As you can hear, I've got a little clinky-clink, got a little whiskey. We celebrate with the whiskey, we've also, we've also got the Clemson Pack. It's not lit up yet. We got a Clemson Pack. We got a Stogie, folks. Hey, normally this show, pretty buttoned up. We keep things pretty together. We keep things pretty organized. This is a celebratory Monday podcast. So you know what? If you came here to get an hour of, of analytics and data, and listen, we're going to talk about it. We're going to break it down. But man, I, I mean, listen, it's 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 probably three hours or so after the end of the game. Sal I am obviously talking about Gamecocks baseball, clinching the series. Our state winning both games this weekend. And, man, I'm on an emotional high. The emotions I have left, what an emotional roller coaster it was. Again, before we get into everything, guys, again, thank you so much for tuning in here on a Monday. Again, I'm Chris Phillips. Shows the Spurs Up Show, as always. Um, I do want to say thank you guys so much for the love, the support, sharing the content, consuming the content, showing love to the content all weekend long. What a success it was. Baseball in South Carolina, like Mark Kingston said on Saturday night, baseball in South Carolina is officially back. Woo, let's all take a breath. What a weekend, what a weekend it was. Hey, we got basketball to talk about too. Man, the fun is in the winning. How fun things are when you win. We've also got your listener questions. We've even got your voicemails and a great interview as well. Folks, I can't tell you how excited I am to be sitting here talking to you all on a Monday. Without further ado, let, let's let's not stall today. Let, let's not stall. And I will say first things first, I'm so excited for this week because of what this baseball team has done, what this basketball team has done. We got a lot to talk about in women's basketball this week as well. We're going to have the Daily Crow Monday through Friday. We're going to have great podcasts every single day. I am so fired up on field, off field, content wise, business wise, everything. I, I'm so excited. Again, I'm on this emotional high. And like I said, without further ado, let's get into it. Oh, man, and I have my key takeaways listed, but I feel like, guys, I'm going to be a little bit all over the place. So if I am, I do apologize. Again, my brain is is kind of scrambled eggs. I'll be honest with you. Man, the, the best – you know, I, I said this a lot last week, and I say it a lot, period. The best rivalry in college baseball. The best rivalry in college baseball. It's unmatched. The tradition, the history, the emotion, the intensity, the pure hate, and the respect on both sides, I will say that what a weekend. I mean, what a weekend. I, I can't, like, I'm, I'm almost beyond words. I'm ne- damn near speechless, you know, because I will say this, trying to take mu- as, a, as much bias and emotion out of as I can. I mean, just from a pure college baseball perspective, incredible. Absolutely incredible. There's no way anyone, any college baseball fan, could sit there and watch that series this weekend, those two games, and say there's a better rivalry in college baseball. No one. No one with a working, functioning brain could say that. Um, It it did not disappoint. You you know, it's, it's crazy, guys, for it to be the last days of February. And what makes those games special, you're hanging on every single pitch. You can literally cut the tension with a knife. You know, Saturday certainly provided you that in Greenville because you want to get off to a good start. You know, you want to win that game one. I talked about how pivotal game one was. And then, of course, guys, yours truly. Being there, game two, at Founders Park. In front of a a pretty damn good crowd. I I will say that. I know it's COVID. Man, I can't even imagine what those two games would have been like with sold-out arenas, sold-out stadiums, whatever. But a pretty solid crowd, and the fans were very into it. (laughs) <laughs> and I laugh because it's so wild guys sitting in the park on Sunday afternoon you know I was at and it's, fun, it's it, the irony of this is it's just wild you know we got LB Danzler on the show today and LB obviously had a walk-off against Clemson right uh, eight you know nine years ago in the 2012 regional if you guys remember correctly 2012 regional LB had a walk-off against Clemson and that game yesterday It reminded me so much of that because I was actually at that game in 2012. I was in Founders Park for that game. It reminded me so much of that game in the sense of, dude, everything. Like, the weather. I mean, we had a beautiful day at Founders Park, mid-80s. Mid-80s at first pitch, sunny all day. Like, this is a super regional. Literally a super regional in February. That's the feel of this series. And... You know, I will say this. First things first, I will tip my cap to Clemson. I will tip my cap. The first game went kind of how I expected. You know, I I really thought game one, you know, you got far versus sharp. It's going to be a battle. They're going to throw their best guys out of the pin, of course. Both teams are going to battle. It's going to be a close game. But I said we were going to learn a lot about Clemson on Sunday. And and give them credit. They came out and they brought it to Carolina. Olenshuk gave them a fantastic start. You know, they continue to fight, scratch, and claw. They continue to battle. That's a quality club in the orange and purple. I I will tip my cap to them. But with that being said, it's our state. We own you. Cheers to that, friends. We own Clemson baseball. Win anyway. Find a way. Just like 2002. Just like 2010. Just like 2012. 2012. And you know what? Yesterday especially, it had that postseason feel to it. It really did. I mean, it felt like game three of the Supers. It felt like a postseason matchup. And you know what South Carolina does, especially to Clemson, in a postseason matchup? What they did on Saturday and Sunday. They come through in the clutch. No one with a working, functioning brain on this God-given planet yesterday, today, or tomorrow believes that the premier program for college baseball in this state is anywhere but Columbia, South Carolina. Bottom line. Bottom line. And that showed yet again this weekend. That showed yet again. South Carolina baseball did what it does best against its hated rival. Let's dive into key takeaways. I could ramble all night. I'm really going to try to keep this thing together because we're going to talk all week, I feel like, about this. So let me actually get to my points here. And I'll actually say this and I'll add one more thing because you know what? Was this weekend perfect? No, it was not. And a lot of deficiencies are masked, by the way, when you win. You know, like the games on Saturday and Sunday, those are great. Those are classics. Those are, you know, people, I'm sure South Carolina fans are sitting here today. Oh, man, those were great games. Those are great games if you win them. If you lose and you're on the Clemson side, I can assure you, they're not saying, oh, man, we'll get them next time. Those were just great baseball games. I promise you they're not saying that. It's much easier to look past deficiencies and issues and, and mistakes you made and opportunities you missed. It's much easier to look past that when you win. But I will say this. Is this a perfect team right now? No. Is there a lot to like about this team? Yes. But is this a perfect team? Absolutely not. You know, I think on the pitching side of things, you still have questions in your bullpen as far as what roles guys are in and more consistency in the way you use guys. Hey, we saw the strikeouts on Saturday. We still saw some strikeouts on Sunday. But you know what this team, guys? You know what it's shown just through two weekends? I don't think it's too early to say this. You know what it's shown through two weekends? It's shown character. It's shown heart. It's shown grit. It's shown determination. It has shown win anyway. We're bringing it back. Win anyway. And that, my friends, that is something you can build a foundation off of. That is something you can build a foundation off of. That attitude and that culture and that character, again, not a perfect team. But man, that's a great place to start when you're building a championship ball club. Because normally, that's the toughest piece, right? Getting guys who know how to win and believing they can win and and never giving up and fighting for each other and finding a way. Who gives a damn? Hey, you give up the runs, you do this, you fall behind, find a way. No excuses, win anyway. Find a way to win. Doesn't have to be pretty, just find a way. And this team, just through two weekends, Knows how to do that. First things first, guys. We got to talk about Andrew Eister. My God. I, I mean, he did it twice. He did it twice. The guy did it twice. I can't believe it. I still can't believe it. Andrew Eister did it twice, guys. I mean, Mark Kingston said it best in his post game on Sunday. Divine intervention. And you know what? Sometimes, like Steve Spurrier used to say, God's smiling on the Gamecocks. You know what? Sometimes the base, and this is one of my favorite things, by the way. This is arguably my favorite thing about the sport of baseball because guys, how can you not be romantic about baseball? How can you not? It's the greatest game on planet earth. You can't convince me otherwise. And the great thing about baseball is every, and I'm paraphrasing, this is a quote from Nolan Ryan, I believe every now and then though, there comes a moment, there comes an opportunity where you need to and you have to reach deep down within and pull something out of you and prove something and take advantage of a moment and be the guy embracing the moment, coming up in the clutch to get that back-to-back nights. <laughs> I thought to myself, there's no way. There's no way he does it again. And it was like deja vu. Nobody, and I repeat, folks, Nobody loves going backside. Nobody loves going oppo more than Andrew Eister. Ice Ice Baby. Go buy the t-shirts, TSUS.store. Ice Ice Baby. Unbelievable. Great player, great hitter. Hey, big-time player, big-time hitter, and a big-time moment with a big-time result. That's all you can ask for, man. Guys, go make plays. Players, go make plays. Coaches coach. Players win games. That's another pure example, man. It's unbelievable. Again, I talked about the win anyway mentality. That's that's obviously got to be the takeaway from this weekend. It feels good to beat Clemson. Hell yeah. Dance on that grave. Talk your shit. Hey, normally, I'm humble. I'm pretty buttoned up. I'm together, folks, as I take another sip of my cocktail. Tonight, today, this week, I feel like being ignorant. I feel like being ignorant, and if you don't know what I'm saying, I'm saying ignorant, but ignorant. I feel like being ignorant. It feels good. Damn, it feels good. Don't hide it, Gamecocks. It feels good. Man. Unbelievable. For a fan base that has dealt with that, with heartbreak, with disappointment, with letdowns, with overpromises, with, with just you keep naming it for a men's sport too. I mean that's such an underrated piece of this for a men's sport at South Carolina to come up. In the clutch. When when they hey, both nights by the way. There were plenty of reasons South Carolina should have lost. Let's let's call it for what it is. South, there's plenty of moments, plenty of reasons. Hey, I'll tell you just Sunday alone. After you gave up the gave up the lead there and I think the 7th, I was your boy was nervous. I'm not going to lie. Your boy was nervous. So many guys with such big time performances. We can't leave out Wes Clark, by the way, my God. I and mean, listen, I'll say this too. You know, as much as I, as I shit talk on Clemson and I love to do it and I, and I hate Clemson and I hope there's Clemson fans tuned into this. Cause I, I love nothing more than to just get on un- it. Hey, Mr. Potato head on YouTube, the daily crow. If you know, you know, if you're tuned in and you know, you know, Hey, Mr. Potato head, you can suck it. Um, all the Clemson fans and my mentions. All the Clemson fans that were all over my ass last year. All over me on Twitter. All over me on social media. You can suck it. You can most certainly suck it. And you know what? Something else. A little side note. This ain't got nothing to do with on the field. But, uh, hey, you know what? Your boy got caught. Uh, hey, Saturdays are for the boys. Well, Sundays are for the good luck smooches and beating your rival and kicking their ass and talking shit. Hey, <laughs> doesn't suck to be me. Doesn't suck. Does not suck. Had a good day with she who now who who shall not be named, and we'll leave it at that. Woo man, <laughs> we're having a fun day so far. But all those Clemson fans suck it and hell, I say that and I say this. I've got respect actually for Clemson baseball. Like I think they've got a good program. They don't touch Carolinas. But they've got a solid baseball program. And I've got hella respect for Monty Lee, man. I've known Monty Lee since I was a high school player and since his days at Carolina. And, like, I, I really do have hella respect for Monty Lee. But, man, when we talk West Clark, you know, I totally get letting your guys attack and be aggressive and, and, and believing in your guys. I truly, honestly, I truly get that. Because, listen, I was a former pitcher. And you don't want to walk a guy. Like, you, you don't want to... To to, to cave in and be like, oh, this guy's better than me. But at some point, you just got to tip your cap and say, you know what? Their guy is better than our guy. And for Clemson to let West Clark hit two bombs off him on Sunday, it was mind-blowing. It was baffling. And something that they'll be talking about in Clemson, guys, for quite a while, no doubt. I mean, listen, this was very reminiscent of Seth Beer on the other side. It really was. It really, really was. Unbelievable what this guy's doing. Eight bombs in six, what, seven? No, excuse me. Six games. Eight bombs in six games. It's crazy what he's doing. Crazy. Unreal. Really. Let's move to the pitching side of things, guys. Let me let me get a little bit more in-depth with things. I do want to talk about the pitching side, Okay. We'll start with Saturday. First things first, Thomas Farr, he did exactly what I expected. Six innings pitched, five hits and earned runs, seven strikeouts. Kept you in the ballgame, gave you a chance, all that good stuff, no doubt. Julian Bosnick, I thought he spun it beautifully. Um, Listen, Brett Carey, I thought he pitched beautifully except for one pitch. He threw 59 pitches on the night, and he threw one bad one, and and it cost him, and it cost him and gave it the lead. What I didn't really care to see, and, you know, you're going to get this, though, right? It, It is what it is. You gave it the lead. You blew the save. But for people to question, you know, say Brett Carey had an awful night, he's not good, he's this, he's that. I I personally, I still have a lot of faith in Brett Carey that he is your closer. You know, he can be your closer. He can be very successful. And he threw one bad pitch, and he, he knows he shouldn't have thrown it. O two hanger. I mean, you know, just threw a bad pitch. We've all been there. We've thrown a bad pitch before. I thought he was beautiful. And then, dude, I cannot – talk about will sanders enough through on saturday and he threw on sunday i cannot talk about will sanders enough i mean total for the weekend one and two-thirds innings pitched he gave up let's see okay so one and two-thirds in his pitch no runs no hits nothing came in on saturday in a huge spot What was it, first and second, nobody out? Double play ball, strikeout, get you out of it. Will Sanders comes in again on Sunday. Another big moment. Gets you out of it, gives you a chance. Gets his two guys out. And on Sunday, I I will say this, and when I mention Will Sanders, I'll say this too. I like Brandon Jordan a lot, guys. Like, I really do. I think he's a quality arm, and I'm going to tell you right now, if Brandon Jordan is not careful, a guy like Will Sanders can take his job. I, listen, I think Will Sanders is your Friday night guy next year. Like, I think next year in this Carolina clemson series, you're going to see Sanders versus Chuck on Friday night. Like, I really believe Sanders, both those guys really are that type of players, especially, like I said, Will Sanders. Big, tall, righty. I mean, he's throwing 95 miles an hour, guys, and he hasn't even touched the weight room. Imagine a year after old Billy getting under him, getting after him, getting him in the weight room, building some muscle on that big 6'6 six, six frame. And again, I like Brandon Jordan. Four innings pitch, three hits, two runs, two earned, four walks, eight strikeouts. You look at that stat line, and it wasn't terrible, but I'll say this. There were, in my personal opinion, there were way too many way too many instances of falling behind hitters. I think he needs to do a better job of getting ahead of hitters. If he does that, he's golden. But getting ahead of hitters, because he threw 83 pitches in four innings, but also just, I mean, dude, there were so many high-stress pitches, high-stress innings. Every inning for Brandon Jordan was high-stress, it felt like. I mean, there were runners-on every inning. And again, I like Brandon Jordan. And that that outing Sunday, it felt very on brand for him. And I said that on social media, a guy that just it doesn't it doesn't matter what what type of stuff he has. He going, he's a bulldog. He's gonna go out there, battle his ass off for you. No questions asked. He's gonna battle his ass off. He's gonna give you everything he's got and leave it all on the field. But the problem is he's becoming on brand in the sense of. He's on brand, having to battle out of jams all the time, having to having to escape constantly. And again, I don't think he's thrown his best ball this season, no question. I, I still believe in the guy. I think it's way too early to make the switch. But what you fear is that you're going to keep having these on-brand quote-unquote performances, and the dam at some point is going to break, and he's not going to be able to get out of jams. It's like a bend-but-don't-break defense. That's kind of how I view Brandon Jordan. like. You're making a living. You're giving up a lot of yards, giving up a lot of yards, and you're just tightening up in the 20s, and and you're holding on for dear life. Tough to make a living that way because at some point, the dam will break, right? So, again, I'm not saying that Brandon Jordan should be replaced in the starting rotation. I'm not saying that he's not a quality pitcher. I still feel very good about him. But you have a great problem, and it's not a problem. It's a great thing to have. You got hell of depth, and you got a lot of guys that can throw really, really good innings for you. And again, I just I look at a guy like Will Sanders. You see what he did against Tuesday against Winthrop. You see what he did Saturday. You see what he did Sunday. Hell, you know the staff likes him. Hell, they've already. What has he got? Five appearances. Yeah, because he had he had the one against Dayton, start against Winthrop, and then two this weekend. Right, is that five or that four? Dayton Winthrop, four, four. Okay, four. My bad. Either way. They obviously like this kid and for good reason. The shit's nasty, bottom line. We could see a battle there. Jack Mahoney, I thought came in and threw extremely well. Threw extremely well. Another true freshman for you. I think he's your future closer. And I hope Sawyer don't get mad at me for this, but I swear to God, wearing that 23 jersey, he looks like a Sawyer Bridges, but he throws a lot harder, <laughs> at, least, at least at the end of Sawyer's career, with all due respect. I thought Jackson Phipps come in, and get you lefty, bada bing, bada boom. Here's the one. The one issue I had on Sunday, and I know a lot of fans that come at Skylar Meade. I agree this is a big year for Skylar Meade. I-, I do. I do actually agree with that. I like Travis Loonsman a lot, and I think he's got a future at South Carolina, and a bright one at that. But going to Loonsman before Danny Lloyd, I know Danny Lloyd came in and gave up two hits. Didn't even get an out. Gave up two hits. Gave up two earned runs. But he was put in a really tough spot, guys. He was put in a really tough spot. Going to the freshman first before Lloyd, I personally wouldn't have done that. I personally wouldn't. But again, when you win, those those issues, those deficiencies, those, those decisions, they're masked. They're masked. I think Danny Lloyd's much better than he showed, and I think he'll bounce back from it personally. And I think Loon's been the same. Andy Peters, though. Let's talk about him. Tip the cap. Two innings. Really, I tell you what, that was a big moment he came in. And what he did, you, you should not underestimate what Andy Peters did. I mean, in a moment where things you felt like really could have gotten out of control, you know, two innings pitched, one hit, zero earned runs, zero runs at all, four strikeouts. Like, came in and really bridged it. You know what I mean? Really bridged it in the seventh and eighth for Carolina. Really bridged that. Or, excuse me, eighth and ninth or whatever. Whatever, whatever pitch. Late in the game. Need a little more whiskey. Ah, that Clemson sip, that's good. Um, but overall, I'll say this. The Gamecocks pitchers, you did enough. You did enough to give your team a chance to win. Again, Sunday's the big one that sticks out in that, you know, you got a 5-3 lead. You got to hold on to it. You, your guys shouldn't have to win in walk-off fashion at that point, you know? Got a 5-3 lead. Hold on to it. I know that's something that Meade and these guys are going to have to improve on and and they'll adjust to. But that's something, certainly, that I want to see improve. The consistency, throwing strikes. A guy like Danny Lloyd, you got to throw better. You're too good of a player to get hit around like that. Travis Loon's been a true freshman. He'll learn from that. But again, I still love the pitching depth. I still love the amount of options you have. Let's move to the hitting. You know, I had somebody ask me after the Saturday game, Chris, are you really, really worried about our approach and our hitters after... Saturday with the strikeouts because you had, what was the number? 21 Ks. 21, and you struck out Clemson 16 times, by the way. Or was it just one of those nights? He said, are you worried about it, or was it just one of those nights? You know, guys, with that umpire and and the zone he had, I mean, it was ridiculous. The guy should never be allowed to umpire collegiate baseball ever again. The zone was chalk to chalk. Up and down made no sense. It was inconsistent a lot of the times. So, do the approaches need to be better? Yes. They absolutely do. Because you give yourself no chance when you strike out. You just just don't. It's college baseball. They're college infielders. Put the ball in play and make them make a play. We saw it happen on Sunday. Make them make a play. Good things will happen, right? You give yourself no chance when you strike out. And you're not going to beat anybody, well, except for Saturday. But you're most of the time not going to beat anybody when you strike out 21 times. But I thought the approaches, I will say Sunday, and, and let's factor this in too. The strike zone was insane, and you're facing a guy like Davis Sharp and all of their top guys out of the bullpen. I mean, that's just not a recipe for success for hitters. And their hitters, I mean, yeah, 16 strikeouts for them. It wasn't like it was just us. I thought the approaches were much better Sunday. I thought we did a much better job putting the ball in play and, and, you know, giving ourselves a chance. Only eight strikeouts on Sunday. Um, you know, again, it, it's really crazy because, you know, a lot of people, I think one of the biggest fears of this team is live and die by the home run, live and die by the home run, this, that, whatever. And, you know, obviously on Sunday, you had guys go deep. You know, West Clark hit two, Braylon Wimmer hit one. Um, But what's wild, you know, this offense isn't a score in bunches in one inning and then just go dead the rest of the game. I mean, you scored one in the third. You scored four in the fifth. You scored two in the seventh, and then you walked it off. And I will say this: what impressed me so much about this team, and again, yeah, I guess you hate to get to these scenarios and you hate to get in these in, in these these predicaments, if you will. But every time South Carolina went down, they answered. Clemson jumped up one nothing top to first. Right, you didn't score till bottom third. Now it's a one one game on a West Clark solo shot. Top fifth, Clemson scores two, up three to one. What do you do? You turn right back around the bottom of the fifth. The urgency is there. The approaches are good. You take advantage. Boom, you throw up a four spot. You're up five, three. Fast forward to the seventh. All of a sudden, your bullpen falters. Things happen. Things are getting crazy at Founders Park. They throw up a four spot. Boom, seven, five, Clemson. You're thinking to yourself, oh, shit. We might have messed up. I mean, I was sitting there like, dude, the emotional roller coaster for me, was like, oh, God, oh, God, did we just blow it? Honestly, I, I you know, I believed in our guys, but I was like, damn it, damn it. You got to hold on there. You had nine outs. Your bullpen's got to be able to hold that thing on for you, and we didn't. So you go down seven to five. What do we do? <laughs> we turn right back around, tie the ball game up, Mendham single to the right side for an RBI, and then Andrew Reister single at the middle for the RBI. This team finds a way, man. These hitters find a way. Again, is it a perfect team? No, it is not. I think the approaches still need to improve, no doubt. But at the end of the day, we can talk. We can break down pitching. We can break down hitting. Hell, we can break down defense. Carolina with one, three errors in two games, not their best defensive performance. But you know what? In a rivalry weekend like this, you kind of just chalk, you know, You kind of just chalk it up, guys, to, you know what? This is the best rivalry in college baseball. The emotions, I mean, dude, the intensity, the pressure. Like, I know it was only the second weekend of the season. I totally get that. Guys, I'm telling you right now, being there Sunday, there was real pressure. I mean, I did not, I felt more nervous Saturday and Sunday, especially Sunday. I felt more nervous over this past two day stretch than I felt at any point last football season. Believe it or not. I felt a hundred times more nervous. It's just, it's this rivalry, man. It's it's what's on the line. It's the bragging rights. It's it's what's at stake. It's claiming stake to our state, the best college baseball program in the state of South Carolina, reminding people that it is, because it already is. We know we know it is. But there was real pressure, and again, you see, you chalk up some of that to that. You know, the errors, the the the, the crazy plays. Like South kind of tied that game up seven to seven. I turned around with the guys behind me. I was just like, "This dude, this is the this is the the stupidest, craziest, most beautiful game on this planet." I, I mean, it just makes no sense. Sunday defied logic in ways it really did. It was insane, insane. But at the end of the day, we can look at stats and break them all down, pitching, hitting defense, all that. At the end of the day, they win anyway. The mentality, the character, the culture, finding a way to win. Finding a way. Just find a way. And this team did that. Again, 3-2 to two on Saturday and 11, 8-7 to seven on Sunday. And the Gamecocks clinched the series over the Clemson Tigers. And now we can laugh. Hold on. We can laugh our asses off till May 11th, baby. We're going to work that ass again. (laughs) With the Clemson Pack on the lips. And again, the whiskey sip just to top it off. Woo! Man, feels good. All right, let's move into TSUS Series MVP, guys. It's a no-brainer. Andrew Eister, 5 for eleven, three RBI and 2 walk-offs. I mean, again... Ice Ice Baby. T S U S dot Stork about the uh, Ice Ice Baby. Andrew Ice, or Two walk-offs. Unbelievable. Uh, Mr. Clutch. Incredible. Incredible. Let's move into who's hot, who's not, guys. Who's hot? <laughs> you think I was going to leave him out? The Reaper of Souls himself. None no, the West Clark. Four for nine, two homers, five RBIs, two walks. Also, can I please mention the the weapon? The the, the Reaper weapon that they have to hand to people after home runs. Genius magnificent i mean one just incredible incredible stuff but again who's hot west clark another fantastic weekend 4 for 9 2 bombs 5 rubies 2 walks i expect that he will be uh national player of the week probably again i mean what he's doing is incredible it's insane and like mark kingston said on the sunday presser it's it's like talking about a no hitter you don't want to do it you know what i mean you, you simply don't want to do it because you don't want to jinx it so again west clark who's hot who's not I got to talk about Georgie. George Khalil, Gamecock shortstop, one for nine with four strikeouts. A rough weekend for him at the plate. You hope he can figure it out again in that nine hole. But uh, one for nine for four Ks for the Aussie. All right, what's next for South Carolina Baseball? Tuesday, you travel to Winthrop. Uh, You actually played them, of course, last week. So you travel to Winthrop, go to Rock Hill tomorrow. And then the Gamecocks back home weekend series against Mercer, the first Friday night game of the season a seven o'clock first pitch at Founders Park. I think it's then four o'clock on Saturday noon on Sunday. So, uh, should be another really, really fun weekend, a really fun week, if you will, for Gamecocks baseball Mercer, by the way, we're going to talk about later, talk about him later in the week, but a quality opponent for sure. Do not sleep on Mercer. My guy been up in the 11.7 college baseball podcast. Shout out to him. I think he's going to be in town and we're going to have some fun content for that. But, uh, yeah, Tuesday at Winthrop weekend series against Mercer. We're gonna have a blast. And, uh, Just one more time, guys. Our state, Clemson, we own you. Clemson baseball, we own you. We are your daddy. We're your daddy. We own you, baby. It's all good. Embrace it. Hey, I'll tip my cap to you on the football side of things, but please, Please have some self-awareness and kiss daddy's feet and show some respect to all you Clemson fans on Twitter that were ragging me, on Instagram that were ragging me, on Facebook that ragged me, and all of you that rag any Gamecock fans. Do me, do us all a collective favor and suck it. Suck it, my guy. Put that in your pipe and smoke it. Ice ice, baby. All good. We'll see you May 11th. We'll see you, May 11th, to finish off what we started. Whoop that ass one more time. All right, let's move into basketball. Gamecocks beating Georgia 91-70. to 70. I certainly don't want to skip over the basketball team. I, I mean, can, just put, like I said in the postgame on Saturday, pet- petition to play Georgia every single game. Ten straight wins against them. Hey, it was a great weekend. It was a bad weekend to be a rival of South Carolina. That's for damn sure. You beat Georgia on Saturday. I, again, the season's a lost cause. We know it's a wash, but I will say this, if nothing else, it feels good to feel good about something on the basketball side of things. And I'm happy for Frank Martin. Trey Hannibal, obviously, that day off must have helped him. Um, you know, my not stepping up, the new guy, the seven-footer, he dominated. Um, you know, Jermaine Kuznar. my goodness, that's Jermaine Kuznar we expect to see all season long again. I'm not going to spend tons of time on basketball because I think we all agree that You know, again, the season is what it is, and and the tournament will start, and we'll kind of go through it and whatever. And what does this really mean in the long run? I don't know. You play Arkansas tomorrow. I mean, I highly doubt that, you know, I highly doubt that you're going to win that one. I don't know. I mean, but for whatever reason, we own Georgia in basketball. I mean, Georgia has not beaten South Carolina basketball since 2016, guys. That's not an opinion. That's a fact. That's a stat. So just unreal. Unreal. So ninety one to seventy win in on the road in Athens, Stegman Coliseum, to hell with Georgia. Anytime you can beat Georgia in anything, it doesn't matter if it's if it's water polo or skiing or or or, or cornhole or ping pong or football or or basketball, to hell with Georgia. It feels good. 91 to 70 win. Again, I, I'm really happy for and I because again, I question the heart and the fight and the character. And again, I don't know what it is because I I don't think Georgia's like miserably bad or anything. But we have shellacked those boys twice. So I don't know what it is. Georgia does not like playing us. That's for damn sure. That is for damn sure. So again, 91-70 to win. Basketball taking down the dogs. All right, guys. Let's move into some news and notes. Um, I do want to mention it because, again, you know, I I feel like it should be mentioned no matter what, even though they lost – Um, I want to give a shout out to women's basketball. You know, tough game. You lose to Texas A&M, and obviously the regular season title goes to the Aggies. But I mean, listen, man, a great season. I still feel good about Dawn Staley, that crew. I I got no issues with Dawn. Just you know, A&M's a really good team. Let's let's give credit to the Aggies. So, um, give credit to them again. Women's basketball, the 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 SEC women's tournament starting this week. We'll have full coverage of it by the way on the Spurs Up Show. One other quick note, I know this is something our guys Cox and Cola covered, which, by the way, that podcast, the first ever episode dropped today. So, very excited for that, guys. March 1st, we're doing a lot of big things in March. So, and and, and throughout the year, of course. But uh, Cox and Cola covered it, but, of course, I want to mention this. The alcohol ban has been lifted, and Cola bars open until 2 a.m. We all rejoice. We all go out. What great timing after you beat Clemson and take the series from them. Uh, Go crazy, folks. Go crazy. Do it safely, but go crazy. All right, let's move into your listener questions, guys. I got a lot to get into. We're gonna start first with the voicemails, and like I said, guys, th- this this show really is about celebrating, really about partying, having a good time. It's great to be a gang cock, and these voicemails surely fit that bill. Hey Chris, hey Chris, always a good
2: day when you beat the fuck out of Clemson back to back nights on two
3: walk offs like Sam did. But uh, my question for you is, I mean. The importance of Will Sanders this weekend is nothing to be slept on.
2: I mean, it is unbelievable. Like, that six 6'6", freshman, starting 95. I mean, how fast do you think it will take for him to be a part of the weekend rotation? Because I think he's a legitimate arm. I think he's a legitimate arm. I think he's a seven-figure guy down the road. I think he's an absolute stud. So
1: I just want to hear your thoughts, and uh, go fucking college, baby. <laughs> excuse the language guys you got to forgive it again it's monday and we're all celebrating but great voicemail man appreciate you calling yeah again you can't say enough great things about will sanders a guy that i was excited about in the preseason and of course seeing what he's doing uh right now it's just incredible it's absolutely incredible yeah I, no listen you talk about the weekend rotation i think this is your friday night guy next year and i'll tell you this like i said i mean i think thomas farr certainly is safe but uh i'll tell you man brandon jordan and julian bosnick you, you better pitch your ass off because will sanders I think he's ready. I think he's ready to take a spot. And that's a big jump for a true freshman to make, you know, pitching on the weekend. But the stuff and his moxie and his demeanor, he's shown it, man. He's ready. He's shown it. He's ready to do it. So, uh, dude, I am, I am giddy about the future of Will Sanders and what he brings to the table for South Carolina baseball. He's going to be a big one. And like you said, I, a big-time arm, big-time guy for many, many years to come at this level, at the next level. It's going to be fun to watch. It's going to be fun to watch for sure
2: just want to say thank you to clemson's pitching coach or whoever's calling pitches for clemson's pitchers because they throw more oh two strikes and fastball strikes of that to help our hitters uh a ton so just want to say thank you to clemson for being such a sorry ass program Love you, show.
1: <laughs> see that 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 last comment made me laugh right i you know yeah, no, I, I agree, man. You know, they, they did a good job, I'd say, Saturday putting us away. But, yeah, it was a lot. You know, we battled with two strikes. I mean, we, we just made them pay, man. It just, you know, a little too good. You know, and this this is a lineup for Carolina that, man, if you're, if you're in the zone. I'll tell you what, man. I think as crazy as this might sound, I think we're almost better on O2. Like, I, I know that's crazy, and, and I – what I mean by that is, like, our hitters are good. I, you know, I saw some guys get a little big and try to do too much. And, again, when in a series like this and the emotions and, and everybody's trying to be a hero, you know what I mean? I expect it. But when our guys just shortened up, just put the ball in play, we have good hitters. Like, good things happen. Good things happen. And I think good things will continue to happen. So, but, yeah. Sorry, ass program that Clemson is. Thank them. Hey, thank them for pitching to West Clark, too. Thank them for pitching the West Card. Unbelievable. All right, one last voicemail, and we'll jump into listener questions. We'll wrap this puppy up. First off, that was an absolutely amazing
2: win, both Saturday and uh, Sunday night uh, afternoon, I guess it's set. Um, my big question is, with Mercer coming town this weekend and then Winthrop on, I think, Tuesday night, do you think the biggest thing – that could help down the road would be seeing who who we can, I hesitate to say count on, but try and get some of these pitchers who haven't really had any chance yet because they've only had, you know, four games that weren't huge games like Clemson has been. Um, so do you think it'll be important for Scholar Me to get some, New young arms, and then maybe throw in my coin to a couple years ago struggled really early on and then seemed to sell down uh, last season before the season got canceled. Um, and then, do you think that? Actually, I think that's my own question. Uh, what do you think the pitching situation needs to be going forward with uh, um, having so many
1: young pitchers that I feel like haven't gotten, haven't had the opportunity to get the feet wet yet? All right. Good stuff. Appreciate the voicemail. Yeah. So, I mean, listen, I, I think you go into a midweek game and you don't ever want to say like, oh, you know, we're just going to, we're just going to beat the hell out of them. We can just throw whoever, like, you know, give respect to Winthrop. You always respect your opponent, but yeah, I think certainly ideally you like to go into that game like that and you know, Sanders threw so much for you. I don't think he'll start. I think a guy maybe like a, a Mahoney or a Jackson Phipps probably get the start for you there. Um, But, yeah, I mean, you know, I'd certainly like to see Parker Coyne. I'd like to see Cam Dringali. I'd like to see uh, CJ Wines. There's other guys that haven't thrown yet that I certainly would like to see. But, you know, I had somebody else ask me that. It's like, Chris, why is Parker Coyne not out there? Why is Cam? Like, where are these guys at? And, guys, I really think it just simply comes down to they like these young arms more. And, I mean – that's not a bad thing. Like I said, like you're just bringing in really talented guys. It's just like any other sport. We see it in basketball. We see it in football, certainly, that like you bring in true freshmen and they're just really, really good. And you got to give them opportunities. You got to give them chances. They're really good players. So, you know, I, I mean, I want to see Tringali. I want to see Coin. These other guys, but like they feel good about Phipps. They feel good about Mahoney. They feel good about Sanders. And like, can you really blame them? You know what I mean? If those guys are ready and available, why would you not throw them? You know? Why would you not throw them at that point? So, but I would like to see other guys. Certainly, I'd like to see other guys, and I, I think they'll do that if they have the opportunity. But, again, it'll be interesting to see how, uh, you know, how, how Meade and how Kingston how those guys handle that. So, all right, let's move to your listener questions, guys. Um, v. William Dennis, West Clark is the best player in the country. He's certainly swinging it like it. Uh, Austin G underscore 45. Awesome win. How do we feel about Brandon Jordan in the starting rotation? Yay or nay? I still like him there. But again, I say this, if he continues to struggle, you got a guy in a Will Sanders that could go out there and do it for you. I mean, bottom line, you know, so you got to produce, you know, you're the Saturday starter, you got to produce and only go in four innings. You know, he's gone back to back weekends, only going four innings. If he only goes four innings against Mercer, I think you really got to start asking the question of, you know what? Maybe we move Bosnick to Saturday and we put a guy like Sanders on the Sunday. I mean, I don't know. You know what I mean? So, We'll see. I think it'll play itself out, but I still like Brandon Jordan. I'm certainly not giving up on Brandon Jordan. He battled his ass off, and, and he's got to get better. He knows that. We all know that, but I, I still do like Jordan. But, hey, you got competition. Iron sharpens iron. That's a great thing for you. Uh, Gamecocksports.watch, who's the next baseball game? Tuesday at Winthrop. Tomorrow at Winthrop. Um, Jordan Portillo, 93. He did it again. Eister Clark, 2021. Yes, sir. Crusty uh, Andy, speculate on West Clark's diet. Souls, sharks, and Fire. Certainly souls. I can't speak to the other two, but this man devours souls. Another soul was claimed on Sunday, for sure. JK Gill 34. Here it is. I understand we have some dudes with cannons, but it's weird we haven't seen Tringali. I agree. I'm surprised we haven't seen Cam. I really am. But, you know, again, competition. You got a lot of talented guys, and I mean, I can't blame them. You know what I mean? I simply can't blame them. So, Um, Slade and Jack. Sad for the Lady Gamecocks, but they will honestly win the SEC tourney. Again, I have no worries. I, I feel really good about Dawn Staley and, and that crew and and uh you know what she's got going on. So I, I feel you know I feel really good. I feel really good about it. Um let's see, we might have some more questions on Facebook. I will check real quick. Might have, I want to give Facebook. We didn't have any on Twitter. I want to give Facebook its just due. Let's see. All right, let's see. We got three, three comments. Scott Dunnigan, This team has fight, and I think they hate Clemson as much as we do. Uh, Pete Lebwell. I think we have a real shot at being a regional host. Hey, it's it's very possible, very possible. And then Ben Tanner says, "Who is this guy?" And it's a screenshot of me on TV. I I, I uh I was spotted. I was spotted again with she who now, shall not be named. But uh, yeah, it was a uh, very interesting, great seats by the way. Shout out my guy that got me those seats. You know who you are. Unbelievable, uh, unbelievable seats unbelievable spot to take in a great baseball game in South Carolina. We own this state. Our state, baby. Let's go. What a weekend. All right. Without further ado, hey, don't go anywhere. We got a great conversation, great interview with former Gamecock slugger LB Danzer, a guy who knows a thing or two about beating the Clemson Tigers and winning a lot of baseball games. He sat down with me in a chat last week and you guys are going to hear it today. Really fantastic stuff, guys. Again, I want to say before we get out of here on a Monday. Thank you so much for the love, support, Uh, unbelievable over the weekend, you know, baseball's back in South Carolina. And again, I I know not everyone's a big baseball person and we, we, I know football moves the needle, but you know, certainly it's what winning can do, but it's just so great to see people interacting and excited and and jumping on board with the baseball content with the baseball team and, and what this program, what coach Kingston has been building. And again, guys, I want to say thank you you know, selfishly from the bottom of my heart, from the content side of things. It was incredible all weekend, um, all the videos, all the comments, all the banter, all the interaction, you know, the Daily Crow, all the pregame, the postgame, all that stuff. A, 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 an extremely successful weekend. So, again, guys, thank you so much. Have a fantastic Monday. Don't go anywhere. Sit tight and enjoy this interview with former Gamecocks slugger L.B. Danzler. All right, joining us today on the Spurs Up show is a man that played for Gamecocks baseball from 2012 to 2013. During his South Carolina career, he hit 289 with 25 home runs, 101 RBIs. In 2012, he was named to the NCAA All-Regional Team and helped lead South Carolina back to the 2012 College World Series and the College World Series Final as well. He was named a captain in 2013 for the Gamecocks and was drafted in the 2013 MLB draft in the 14th round by the Toronto Blue Jays. He had a minor league career that spanned from 2013 to 2016. Guys, very pleased to be joined by former Gamecocks slugger L.B. Danzer. L.B., appreciate you taking the time, man. It's a pleasure to have you on. Thanks so much yeah, for doing yeah, this.
3: Absolutely. Thanks for having me. I'm excited.
1: Absolutely. So, uh, let's go back, L.B. Let's actually start on a different note because most guys, I ask them about their path and, you know, getting to South yep. Carolina, which I, I do want to dive into that. But something that sticks out to me about you and your career at South Carolina your name is LB. It stands for little Brad. I don't think many people yep. know that or remember that again. I don't know why that just like, I think I just remember watching a yeah. game and the announcers were talking about it. So I think people are curious. How, how did you get the name? You know, how did it go from little Brad to LB or how, how did you get the name overall? I'm really curious. Yeah.
3: The story. yeah. So that's, um, I mean, my dad's name's Brad. He actually, uh, he played ball at university of Florida back in the early eighties. Um, and for as long as I can remember, they and my parents actually have a picture of me. Um, you know, my mom was pregnant with me and uh, holding up a sign saying LB. So they decided that that was going to be my name, and I guess I've just never, never quite grown out of it yet. So
1: hey, not not a bad guy to model yourself after your pops, who was, sounds like was a successful SEC ball player. I'm curious. So you started out. You're from Winter Haven, Florida, by the way. People didn't pick yep. up on that. Um, And you went the junior college route, which, again, I I think is great. You're seeing, you know, I I think – I don't know if there was a stigma around it for a while, but, you know, I I think back to 2010-11 and even 12 when you were there. And South Carolina's had a lot of success with junior college guys. I mean, a lot of success. And a lot of teams had, too. And I I think it's a great way for guys to – and go to the next level, develop their skills and kind of go through that recruiting process again and work on things. Yeah. And maybe if they want to go to the draft, they can do that. Obviously you already know this, but uh, you went to, I think it was what, Manatee, Sarasota. Is that what the name of the school yep. was? Yeah. And you yeah, guys had, yep. you had, you had a lot of success individually. You guys had a lot of success, uh, went to the 2010 uh, NJCAA world series, but just talk about your recruitment out of high school and what made you decide to go the junior college route.
3: Yeah. So, um, for me, I, I guess it wasn't really a decision as much as it was kind of my only option, you know? Mm-hmm. So in high school, I was never the fastest, didn't have the best arm. Um, I just was kind of serviceable defensively and could hit a little bit. So um, I didn't get heavily recruited. A lot of my friends, and you know, I think on our high school team, eight or nine of them went on to play either get drafted or play some form of college ball. Um, had a buddy that went to Florida, a few that went to UCF, one in Notre Dame. Um, so I honestly was not super excited to go to junior college, but if I wanted to keep playing ball, that was what it was um, in Manatee. So what it was, it was Manatee community college and they became the state college of Florida. Um, those were, you know, it was one of the best junior colleges in the state. So I had a, a couple of junior colleges I was looking at, but um, I thought that would provide the best opportunity to go play at the next level. Um, mm-hmm. And like I mentioned, my dad played ball at Florida. So my biggest goal was, how do I get to the sec? What do I need to do to get there? Um, and really after Florida, you know, I had a camp at Florida, my senior year of, or going into my senior year of high school and, you know, the coaches invited me in and I thought like, all right, this is it. They're going to sit down and make me an offer, or at least talk to me about going to school there. And basically they told me, Hey, you're not good enough to play here. Um, wow. So my goal kind of became, you know, growing up a diehard Gator fan, my dad right. played ball there. Um, my goal kind of flipped to like, all right, well, now I'm going to try to beat the Gators so, somewhere <laughs> along the line. So, um, but yeah, so that's kind of how I ended up at Manatee and then had a terrible first year there, but we did play in the Juco world series, which was cool. Definitely not like Omaha, but still right. for a junior college kid, it, it was a, an awesome experience. Um, and then sophomore year obviously was a little bit better and got me the opportunity to, to play at Carolina.
1: Yeah, I, I was going to ask you about you know was Florida your dream school? You obviously you, you you answered that question, and for them to tell you you're not good enough to play, and then it's like all right, I'm gonna stick it to Florida then, and you go to South Carolina. I'm curious, you know, before we dive specifically in your Gamecock career, like you said, obviously it sounds like you you made a huge jump and your game developed at the JUCO level. Um, you know, to get to the level, you know, for SEC play, and again, the stats really just speak for themselves what you did in your two years in Columbia. Where where do you think your game improved the most? Because again, like you said. Um, you know, didn't have a great first year at Juca. Like, wh- where do you think the biggest jump came for you that got you, you know, ready to make the impact that you did make at the SEC level?
3: Yeah, I mean, I don't think it was anything skill-wise. You know, I think it was more just kind of a maturity, um, you know, being on your own. In high school, I mean, and I joke with my buddy, you know, and Trey and I, he's one of my good good buddies plays for the Orioles now. We'll still talk about it, where a slump in high school was like, one for four, you know. If you yeah. you left the game and you only got one hit, it was a bad day. Um, and I think I went into junior college and I led the team in just about every offensive category my freshman fall, and was like thinking, "All right, going to keep going and um, just going to continue on with how I was in high school." Um, but then that first weekend had a little bit of jitters, and I think I went like two for eleven and. I remember going back, like getting back from the bus, like, Oh my gosh, what am I, can I play at this level? And just like <laughs> questioning everything. Um, and then I had another couple bad weekends in a row and it just, I had never dealt with failure on that large of a scale and like the pressure. And, um, and if I would have been at Carolina at that time or a division one school, they wouldn't have stuck with me. You right. know, they, they would have had somebody else just as good, if not better behind me. Um, you know, so the nice thing about junior college is you do have the opportunity to fail because it, they really don't have anybody else buying like <laughs> you. You have to keep playing. Um, and then so I, nothing really changed as far as like my skill set. I think it was just really understanding the process and um, learning how to deal with failure a little bit better. So when did South
1: kind of come in the picture then? Uh, obviously, Ray Tanner, I, I think it's interesting. Again, you – you grew up a Gator fan, so you're very familiar with SEC baseball, and of course, while you're in junior college, South Carolina is just winning back-to-back national championships. I mean, yes. the program is rolling, so when did South of come into the picture, and with the run of success they had, I'm sure, you know, other things factor into it, like playing time, like where am I going to factor in in regards to the lineup, but I mean, for you, was it an easy decision? I mean, like I said, I feel like it's it's got to be kind of an easy decision to say, yeah, of course I want to go play for a team that's one back-to-back national titles and has a great team returning in 2012. Like what was that process like for you actually getting to Columbia?
3: Yeah. So, um, the first time I ever saw a South Carolina coach was my, the fall of my freshman year. We were playing, we only were playing with wood bats that fall. Um, and I mentioned that I had a pretty decent fall. I think they came to a game, a doubleheader, and I went like seven for eight with I don't know, like four doubles or something, had like a, a great game or a great couple games. Um, and then I talked to the coach after the game. And I honestly, to this day, I can't, maybe it was Mark Calvi; I can't remember who it was. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, you know, he's like, you know, I know you're just a freshman. So we'll talk, you know, this time next year, we'll keep an eye on you. Just, you know, keep doing your thing. Mm-hmm. And we talked about grades a little bit. And then that was pretty much it. Didn't hear from South Carolina for a year, which mm-hmm. honestly was kind of best case scenario because I went and had a terrible <laughs> spring. Um, gotcha. And then I bounced back. I played summer ball that following summer, um, you know, again, won some awards and had a, you know, a a good summer season. Um, And then they kind of came back in the fall. That was when the recruitment, you know, really opened up for all the major D ones. But we got to about October and I probably had 10 offers on the table from some mid majors, but it got to the point where I was like, thought the SEC wasn't going to happen. You know, I was emailing, big 10 schools. I'm like, all right, I just need somewhere with a football team, like a big school experience. <laughs> um, right. You know, and they were not responding to my emails. I'm like, all right, well I may end up going to university of Tampa or doing, which is would have been fun. But um, then within one week, I got calls from Carolina, LSU and Vanderbilt all on a, on a Monday, Wednesday, Friday. So I have no idea what changed. It just kind of that all kind of happened pretty quick. Um went on a visit to Columbia, probably two weeks later, had a visit lined up with LSU. Um, you know, and it was just completely different opportunities. You know, South Carolina from my talks with Holbrook coach Tanner sounded like they really wanted me to come to school there. They just didn't have any scholarship money. LSU was a little different where they never even seen me play before, but they needed a third baseman. So they said they had scholarship money saved, but they wanted to see me play. And I was like, well, that's, you know, you can get paid, but then if you come right, for a weekend yeah. and, um, <laughs> a lot of pressure, a bad, bad, weekend, then like, you know, I'm, you know, so those were the two that I really considered and Vanderbilt was kind of just a feeler call. It was like, Hey, we'll touch base in the spring, but after my weekend in Columbia, um, you know, whether I was on scholarship or not, um, I talked to my parents and we pretty much just said, Hey, this is where I'm supposed to be. And you're right. It, a big factor was, um, you know, knowing that Adrian Morales was in his senior year and that third base was going to be open up because that's I tell kids all the time you have to be strategic you know if you're coming in and Christian Walker's a freshman first baseman not a very (laughs) smart play to to go to Carolina at that point um so if you
1: want to play first base that is
3: (laughs) yeah exactly
1: yeah 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 Yeah. for sure so you, you get on campus like you said so you make you make the right decision I would say in the long run it's it's You know, you take a look at the stats. I mean, you hit 262. You started every single game, by the way. So, like you said, very strategic for you. Like you said, Adrian Morales is gone. Gamecocks in the third baseman. Insert you in the lineup. And, again, a very respectable first year. 262, 10 home runs, 48 RBIs. And, of course, we'll get to the postseason stuff in just a second. But um, was there a welcome to the SEC moment for you? But, like, it sounds like your game was ready for that level. But I'm just curious because, again, you know, going to that level and playing the teams you guys play weekend after weekend after weekend. The Like you mentioned, the Vanderbilts, the Floridas, the LSUs. And then I'll ask you, how how crazy was it? What was that moment like for you when you took on the Gators? I, I feel like that had to be a really special weekend for you.
3: Yeah, it well, was. So as far as like a welcome to the SEC, I think it, it was really the fall was the most intimidating. You know, you come in and like I'm used to having, you know, 10 to 12 fans and mostly parents that like junior college games, um, till we have a thousand people at some of our practices. Um, so it, it, you know, they do a nice job of kind of slowly acclimating you to what opening day is going to be like, um, so I don't have like a specific moment that I remember other and than And I will of, say
1: to your point I mean you you really weren't going to see better competition than you faced in practice. I mean again a team that had won back yeah. national titles that still had guys like you're mentioning like Michael Roth and Matt Price and and all these other guys you you're not going to see better competition than that, you know, yeah. weekend after weekend.
3: Yeah, and that's, you know, I mean I think the way the schedule even you know playing the non-conference um you know first couple weekends, I guess this year it's only one weekend but right. We had seven or eight games under our belt before we took on Clemson. And, you know, then you get a taste of a a little bit better pitching and the game goes a little bit faster. But at that point, you know, if you're, you're comfortable, it's not as big of an adjustment. Um, So that was cool. I mean, the Florida weekend, that was definitely, I want to say we played, we opened SEC play with them or maybe here were second. I can't remember if they were, We either opened with Kentucky and got swept, which was awesome. Uh, (laughs) Or we played – I think we – I don't know. I'm getting one of those two confused. Maybe we opened with Kentucky, got swept, and then Florida came in and we lost two out of three. Um, Yeah, you guys opened
1: on the road at Kentucky and got swept. You're right. And then the next weekend was Florida and you guys lost two out of three. So, an interesting start to the season. That's for damn sure.
3: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So, that was – I had an at bat against Florida. And by that point too, like I had so much confidence after the fall and then the, you know, the nine scrimmages we had before the season, I was, you know, swinging really well and really had no doubts about anything. Um, Opening weekend did okay. I think I got five hits, um, hit a Homer and then the next weekend really didn't play very well. I think we played Elon and I struggled a little bit. Um, Clemson, same deal. You know, I was still getting hits and hit a couple of homers, but it was my confidence. I kind of started losing that a little bit early on. Um, so I, you know, the numbers are respectable, but I was definitely and still disappointed with kind of how I played individually that year. Um, obviously, super excited how much the team accomplished and what we were able to do. Um, but yeah, so I went into the Florida weekend and Hudson Randall was their ace um, that year. And I remember being, that was probably the first time I was like, man, these are, you know, these guys are good. Um, <laughs> yeah. And I had three, two, two outs, bases loaded, tie game. It was my first at bat of the night. And I swung at a three, two fastball that was about at my eyes, just like completely. And then I went 0 for my next eight. So I was 0 for nine against Florida going into my last at bat. And then I hit a home run that didn't in extra innings, but it didn't matter. They scored two in the top of the 11th. I hit a solo home run to, but we still ended up losing. So it was, I mean, a good learning experience for sure. Um, Did not go how I anticipated it. You know, my career against Florida um, ended up not being very, you know, statistically very good, both from a win loss perspective um, in individual statistics, but we did beat them in Omaha. So that, that helps a little bit. Yeah,
1: that makes up for it. LB, I want to switch gears a little bit because you are yeah. the sole person that pioneered the fear the fish movement. Um, And you saw guys throwing up the the, the fish. Yeah. And we heard the stories about, I mean, there was merchandise. I mean, it, it really took over. And I, I think one of the reasons it did, again, you can attest to this, it's like those, those great teams, those 10 and 11 and great teams all throughout sport, they have things they kind of cling to. You know what I mean? Whether it yeah. was the spirit stick in 10 or... I don't know, really in 2011, just being better than everybody else. I, I don't know. They had, they probably had stuff in the locker room too, but you guys had fear of the fish and yep. just talk about, again, a rough start of the year. You guys go on a tear, kind of give fans again. We've heard this story before, but I'd love just to hear it from your perspective. How did that all start? And, and why do you think that caught fire the way it did?
3: Yeah. As far as catching fire, I don't really know. I mean, honestly. <laughs> I mean, there were literally a... t-shirts all over the place. I remember that yeah. vividly. Yeah. Yeah. We had a, uh... We were playing Auburn. It was a road trip. And honestly, I kind of did it as a joke. So Tanner English was my, he would my, be my roommate on the road. Mm-hmm. Um, and the previous week, his grandma or something had made like homemade pretzels or something. And somehow I had this little Tupperware container that, mm-hmm. um, that was Tanner's. I was going to bring it back to him. And just almost as a joke, I'd put the fish in there. Um, like, All right, I'm just going to bring him to Auburn see if he can make it. Um, and I told everyone on the team, it was because, you know, the girl that would, him on the weekends was out of town, but like a beta fish can live for weeks without food. Mm. Um, so I decided to bring him on the road, and then in the back of the bus, it was Bryson Selleck, was actually the one that started joking about Fear the Fish and how we need to do that. Mm. Um, because we, we were we had struggled to definitely, um, early on in SEC play, we were not playing very well, so we were kind of searching for something. It was definitely not my intention that Fear the Fish would be anything, it was just kind of a joke. Um, right, but Deek brought that you know, so right before the Friday night game, I threw my hat on the way out the hotel I threw my um hat on top of the you know in the what is it, the little Tupperware thing that he was in, snapped a picture of it, tweeted it out said, beer the fish um and then that night Christian hit a we were I think it was like a one we were losing one zero maybe he hit a two run double to right center field. And then he got on second base, did the fin just kind of as a joke. Um, the, yeah. And I came up next hit home run and I did it when I crossed home plate. And then the metric came out the next day and was asking, us like, what were you guys doing? What was that little? And we were just like, Oh, if you're the fish. Um, <laughs> so I don't know where, you know, it just, and from that point on, it was, it just got in the media and it kind of took on a life of its own. It was nothing that we, and we were winning too, which helps, you know, um, I don't know the stats, but I know we, at one point we won like 12 SEC games in a row or something. Um, so and it was all kind of right around that time.
1: For sure. LB, I want to move to the Carolina Clemson rivalry. We are speaking on Thursday, Gamecocks and Tigers, the best rivalry in college baseball taking place starting tomorrow and this weekend, Um, You obviously had a major impact in it. You guys won two out of three in 2012, but more importantly, in the postseason where South Carolina absolutely owns Clemson. You guys faced them in the regional, which I'm sure when you guys found out again, you hosted the regional when you found out Clemson was in it. I'm sure you guys were very excited, and of course, you the the two teams squared off, and and the game that stands out obviously that Saturday game. I was actually there in person. You guys win five to four in 12 innings, and You had the walk-off hit, just missed a home run, but bases loaded. I think it was like one out. All you needed was a sack fly, and you got plenty of it on a high fastball. Just talk about your experiences in that rivalry. Again, a guy being from Florida, how how quickly did it click for you, how big of a series it was, and then leaving the impact you did. Again, getting the walk-off in that game, and we even had Michael Roth on the show yesterday. I chatted with him yesterday, came out today. Um, And he talked about that was actually outside of the 2010 game that obviously he pitched and the legend of Michael Roth was born. He said that was probably the best Carolina Clemson game he was ever a part of. Most intense. I mean, I remember being there. Founders Park was rocking after you hit that. But just talk about, again, your experience in the rivalry and then getting that walk-off. And that was a part of you being named 2012 NCAA All-Regional Team. So, obviously, you had a great postseason as well. Um, Just expand on that a little bit.
3: Yeah, so I think you hit the nail on the head. Being from Florida – I didn't know a whole lot about the rivalry until, and then you hear about it through football season, but, um, you know, it's, it's all new. So I, I really hadn't experienced it firsthand. Um, but that first game, I think it was actually in Charleston. Yeah. We, that mm, Friday night, yeah. in Charleston, um, you know, it was a different energy. And I was like, man, this, this is a real deal. Um, and at that point I was like, all right, this, and now I get it. Um, and we did, we were able to win two out of three. I think we won the first two and then lost the third when they hit a walk off against us, um, at their place. Um, as far as when we found out the, you know, that we were going to be in the regional, I was honestly, I don't know if excited is the right word. I was hoping to see that, you know, match up with them in like a super or in Omaha. Um, so it was kind of like, man, this is Little the pressure just got a lot greater for us to get out of our regional, you know, right. lose to Clemson in our own regional that we're hosting. Um, and I don't think you're you're never supposed to say that like you need those thoughts were creeping in, but it Fire, was definitely right. that game are still to this day was the most tense game I've ever been a part of. Um, where it was like every pitch, every you were just hanging on every single um at bat, and man, yeah, like I the pressure of Omaha and plenty against Oklahoma and supers UNC supers next year, it pales in comparison to, to just that game and feeling like, all right, we have to win this game. We cannot, cannot lose. Um, and then more specifically the bad, I had made an error early in the game, which was, I think I only made like four or five errors all season and three against Clemson, which was um, two in the very the series at the beginning of the year. And then, won that day in the postseason. Um, so I was kind of down on myself because, you know, I felt like I let us down a little bit defensively. Mm. But then how do we get – Joey led off with a hit. I think it was a base mm. hit up the middle. Yeah, perfect hit and run for Marzilli. Um, the king that, of the hit and run. The king yeah. of the hit and run. <laughs> yeah. So it was first and third, no outs. All right, we got this in a bag. Christian's up. So I was on deck just thinking, mm. all right, Christian's going to take care of it. Um, and I think he popped out. It was either the second baseman or shallow right. Yeah. Um, I remember he popped out though. Yeah, yeah. It was on the first pitch, and I was like, "All right, so it's on me." Um, mm-hmm. got to two strikes pretty early, and they had their their ace on the mound. What was his name? Something Brady, maybe. Um, and he just kept throwing me high fastballs, and I couldn't. Well, I couldn't catch up to him. I just was a little bit off. Um, in hindsight, I was sitting. All fastball. So if you would throw me a curveball, you probably could have got me. Um, but I knew that I hey, just got to get something elevated in the air. It was probably a pitch I should have hit more to, to left center, but um, did enough, got enough barrel on it to, you know, get it over the right fielder's head. And yeah. just all the emotions of like the, the pressure that builds up that you're feeling just right. let it all out of your celebrating behind First or uh pitcher's mound. So that was cool. Yeah. And I,
1: I still think back to the, again, that, that hit, which it is funny. I, you watch the at bat and it's kind of like one of those, it's kind of on the outer half and you sort of like reach out, snap the bat and just flick the yep. wrist. And you know, you knew what you needed to do. You knew the approach sack fly wins us the game. And the picture, obviously a Joey running home with his hand up. I and mean, that, that was just a great moment. I mean, that was a great moment. And yes. then after that, I feel like, um, you know, it was a close game again, Sunday, uh, you guys beat them four to three to take the regional and knock them out. But you know, what I mean, it, it's like I think back to those days, and I'm like, there was at least from the fan side of things, I'm sure you guys, as well as a team, even looking, you say like, oh, Sunday you guys won four to three. But it's like there was just never a doubt. There was never a doubt yeah. with those teams. The job is going to get done. Um, yeah. I want to ask you, LB, on a lighter note, and I joke with other guys, you know, your former teammates about this, but it's funny because you guys. You know, beat Oklahoma, take two from them, five nothing, five one in the supers, which is a great series. And Oklahoma was a really good team, and obviously the history there with 2010 and beating them in Omaha. And you go through, like I said, you beat Florida in the College World Series, <clears throat> you lose to Arkansas, but beat Kent State, get your revenge on them, beat them twice, and then lose to really run into a buzzsaw in Arizona. And again, everybody's expecting South Carolina to go three straight, and you know the hype is there. I joke with guys though. I feel like you're, like, on the forgotten team. It's so funny. Like, people don't talk about 2012. There's not highlights on YouTube of 2012. Like, just because you guys didn't win the whole thing, and, you know, I joke around with, you know, that team in the upstate, that'd be Clemson's greatest season ever to go there and lose. But because you're coming off back-to-back national titles and you go there and you don't win, it's like people say, oh, remember when South kind of won back-to-back titles? It's like, dude, they almost won three in a row. Like, put some some respect on the 2012 team. You know, isn't that like – I think it's so funny how, like, people just – they just completely forget that because you guys didn't win the whole thing.
3: Yeah. Yeah. No, they for sure. I mean. <laughs> I, <laughs> they're
1: like, oh, which team were you on again? It's like, yeah, we played in the national championship,
3: by the way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I I say that probably on a weekly basis when clients yeah. come. Oh, were you on one of the teams that won? I said, nope. I was in junior college those two years. Yeah. But I was on the two that, you know, we finished runner-up yeah. and Boston Super is next year. So it's still pretty good teams. Um, pretty solid. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, and even that North Carolina, the 2013, you know, we... And that North Carolina team, I think,
1: was the number one seed in the entire country. Like, they were they were nasty. Yeah. And I, you
3: know, I think we had them. There was a pitch, mm-hmm. 3-2 pitch that Tyler Webb um, ended up walking in a run. But, man, if it missed, it must have been yeah. just barely, <laughs> barely mm-hmm. outside. Um, yeah, lost by one run in 2013. So, mm-hmm. it definitely is. You know, I think we... You know, I I remember coming in my senior year, you know, so my junior year I come in and they have like these awesome college world series, like bags and stuff full of all this gear. And then my senior year I came in and I asked Kyle Lipsy, our equipment guy, I'm like, where's, where's all our stuff. They got those big ones last year. (laughs) And he goes, yeah, they won last year. I was like, Oh, (sighs) you're right. You're right. We didn't win. win. Uh, So we definitely,
1: the expectations. I mean, you got to love it. You got to love the expectations. Yeah. My God, it's like a failed season because you didn't win the whole thing. I'll ask you, though, again, you talked about in junior college, you got to play in the, the Juco World Series, which I've heard from different guys, guys that I played with and, and know and that, that actually got the opportunity to go to that. And I mean, they said it's definitely an awesome experience, like you said, but going to Omaha, um, just talk about your experience there. I mean, again, South Ghana had been back to back years, but that was your first ever time going. And again, that's, that's the promised land, right? That's what you dream about as a yeah. college baseball player. That's where you want to end up. Just just talk about what you remember from your experience in
3: Omaha. Yes, yeah, so, I mean, honestly, it sounds bad, but, like, the whole two weeks was just, like, a blur. Um, as I look back, like, I can remember specific, like, at-bats and, like, so many moments from my junior year, but then Omaha, it's like the whole two weeks just flew by. Mm-hmm. Um You know, I remember going to the game. You did hit
1: a two-run homer in the Kent State game. I'm just looking at, like, the – you you had a big impact. You went two for five with an RBI double, two runs scored against Florida. Um, So, you had a pretty good college-world series, I'd say. I mean, you made a pretty big impact.
3: Yeah, I I mean, so I remember the games pretty well. You know, I remember we played Florida, and then Eric Payne hit a super, um, you know, really clutch, split the gap with a triple. Mm. Um, Bases were loaded. That was off Brian Johnson. Then I came up. And hit a double over the center fielder's head. Um, and at that point, that was kind of when we broke the game open. And at that point, we pretty much had won. Um, then Arkansas, that game, that was the game we lost. I remember I hit a double off the right field wall, kind of short hop the right field wall down the line and topped it a little bit. But I thought maybe I had a chance to get out. That would have tied the game, um, but it ended up – not so I was on second. Connor Bright came in and pinch ran for me. And so that was the end of that game. Um Kent State, I remember the home run. Um, you know, we had taken BP there a good bit. So I do remember getting to like practice on the field and hearing how big it was, how hard it was, and we still had you know pretty impressive BP with guys putting it out pretty much all over the yard. I remember that. Um at one point the fire alarm in the hotel went off. I remember ES- the ESPN analyst, Jen Brown, I don't know if you remember her, she was, mm-hmm. um, it was me. So Arizona and us were sharing a hotel. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I think we we're the only ones that were two teams were sharing a hotel. and We just happened to meet in the finals, right? But it was me about three of their players and Jen Brown sitting in this random parking lot when the fire alarm went off and we all talked for a little bit. So I remember that was kind of a unique, well, that was kind of a cool experience. Um, Oh, yeah, and Jessica Mendoza, they were down. So, we would see all the ESPN people down in the lobby every night. Um, that was cool. But, I mean, the whole thing, it was just, you know, playing in front of twenty, twenty-five thousand 25,000 fans is just something that you'll never forget.
1: For sure. And, and moving into that 2013 season, I'm, I'm curious, LB, you look at your statistics, 322 average, 15 homers, 53 RBIs. Again, the stats speak for themselves. I feel like – you had to be playing with a lot of confidence at that point and felt really, really good with your swing and your game. Yeah, so it
3: um, – you know, I definitely had a, a much better year. And I think even at the end of the year, I, you know, my average dropped probably 30 points the last – just in the postseason. I didn't play very well that postseason, which um, I still kicked my – I think if I would have played a little better, we may have beat North Carolina, but that's neither here nor there. Um, but, yes, yeah, so it was – Got off to a good start. It was actually – I had – I broke my ham eight, my hand um, in the fall and then came into spring practice really having not swung or played in a couple months. Um, and I had about the worst three weeks of preseason ball you could have. I don't know if I got – I got maybe one hit. Um, and I remember Coach Holbrook telling me this later. He didn't tell me at the time, but <laughs> they were considering not even starting me on opening day. Like, can we not start LB? Is that even – you know, he played every game last year, but, um, so ultimately I did. And then my first at bat, I hit a home run, which in all honesty, like it was the first ball I had barreled up in weeks. (laughs) And I was, I remember around the bases like, well, that felt good. Um, let's see (laughs) more of that. And then I think it just was kind of one of those things that gave me a little bit of confidence and, um, had a good couple first weekend, you know, that, that was against Liberty and then I forget who we played second, but they, came in I had another good series and just kind of kept building and building and you know you look up and you know I had some impressive numbers we were winning some games and it was just a a good season so um but yeah that was kind of how how it got started and I just were fortunate to kind of keep the momentum going
1: for sure. LB, how much did you enjoy being a left-handed hitter at Founders Park? Because we all know the wind typically blows out to right. And yep. heck, we saw it on opening weekend for South Carolina. I mean, I, specifically, Andrew Eister hit one to right center gap. And it's kind of a line drive. And it just, just took off. And you're like, my God. I mean, it's pretty fun to be, to be a slugging lefty yep. like you were in that ballpark.
3: Yeah, for sure. I mean, you definitely – the numbers can be a little inflated. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Just because I, I remember a couple, Dave, I had two against Davidson that were both, I mean, they may have been off the plate outside, um, but the wind <laughs> was blowing out, and I just knew, like, hey, get it up in the air. Um, so I, I was able to do that a couple times, but it was, BP was a lot of fun, um, <laughs> and, you know, there were definitely a handful that probably would not have been out at some other parks, so, but I'll take it.
1: Yeah, hey, you'll take it. They, they all count in the scorebook the same way. Uh, backtracking a little bit, LB, you mentioned Coach Holbrook and was fortunate enough to talk to him and get his perspective, but I'm curious to hear your thoughts on it. After 2012, Ray Tanner decides to step down, retire, move into a different role as the athletic director, and Chad Holbrook takes over as the head coach in 2013. Were you surprised when Coach Tanner made that decision? And I guess, what was the season like under Holbrook? Again, most guys, I've, well, really everybody I've talked to has nothing but – you know, glowing reviews to say about Coach Holbrook. And, again, this wasn't just some random guy coming in from, you know, coming in from somewhere else. He had been there on 10 and 11, and he basically built those teams, you know, helped recruit those players. So, I, I think the transition was pretty seamless. But, I guess, going through that, was it anything you, you thought about? Or, I mean, were you surprised at kind of how everything went down?
3: No, I mean, not surprised. I mean, I guess, like, when you first get the news that Coach Tanner was leaving, again, kind of being new to the South Carolina – Clemson rivalry and just being a Gamecock, I didn't really realize and it wasn't even until after I graduated and kind of have reflected back at how great of a coach Coach Tanner was and his accolades and how much he accomplished as a, you know, just as a baseball coach. Um, so for me, it was just at that time, I was like, oh, my coach is, you know, he's taking the athletic director job. Um, didn't feel like a huge deal as much as it probably was. And then, you know, Coach Holbrook was definitely the natural, I think we all just kind of assumed that that was how it was going to play out. Um, Because we knew, and you kind of heard rumors that like Coach Tanner was thinking about that, was grooming Holbrook to to take over. So it wasn't a big surprise. Um, And I think what gets lost is, you know, we did, we lost a lot of talent, you know, having Christian and Evan on the offensive side of the ball, guys that had been to three college world series in a row, started every game, uh, at least not every game, but you know, have been consistent right, right, start right. for uh, a couple years. Um, we kind of lost their leadership a little bit, and even just some of the older, you know, having not having Mike around anymore was a huge loss, yeah. Matt on the pitching staff. So, all the I mean, we lost a lot of our, uh, you know, our pitching rotation and. So I think Colbrook did a great job. You know, it was just kind of, it's like anything, you know, with me and what I'm seeing in my new business, you know, I've never hired anybody before. Um, so it's a learning curve when you're, you're the one making the decisions. Um, I think it was definitely an adjustment, but I was, I'm still happy with how far we made it. And mm-hmm. ultimately nothing the coaches did had anything or I guess didn't prevent us from playing in Omaha, you know, it was nothing they did. Right, we just didn't, right. you know, we just missed the opportunity. They put us in the right position and, we just didn't get the job done. Um, I was just so. going to say, he- hearing
1: the tone in your voice, too, I think it really just speaks to the expectations at South Carolina. Because, again, you know, being a game away from Omaha, that that's not a bad season. I mean, people have to understand. And, again, you know, I'm not telling fans. I love – that's one of the reasons I love Carolina baseball is the high expectations. Expectations are a good thing. Pressure is a very good thing. You know what I'm saying? so – but fans have to understand like everybody else is trying to get there too. And it's very, very hard to get there. And like I said, I mean, the number one seed in the country had to go to their place. You're a game away. And that game three, you know, was very tight and you, you just come out on the wrong side of it. But I mean, you guys, I thought had a really, really good year in 2013. And amidst all that LB, I want to move to this because you get drafted in the 2013 MLB draft. Actually, before I get to that more importantly, and I would imagine this sticks out in your career. You were named a captain in 2013. I feel like for guys, that is something that, you know, you, it it still sticks with you to this day. Nobody can, you know, um, uh, among all the stats and the accolades, but nobody can ever take that away from you. Just talk about what that meant to you too. And you were still, I'm not saying you were a new guy, but I mean, only your second year there. there There's some other guys a couple of years to have your teammates, your peers look to you and name you a captain. Just what did that mean to you then? And what does it mean to you now looking back on it?
3: Yeah, that definitely was, one of the highlights from my time there, you know, cause you come in, it's, it is a challenge to come in as a junior college kid because my recruiting class was me and 14 other freshmen for the most part. Um, you know, there were other junior college kids as well, but, and, and not to get too much into like outside of baseball, but like really there are guys that have been there for two years. They have their friend groups, you know, they, they do their thing. Um, so it sometimes can be tough to come in as a junior college guy. You're the new guy right. and all the kids in your class have been playing together for the last two years. Um, so that was a little bit, you know, you almost feel like an outsider when you first come in and you're like, all right, I got to prove myself and, um, earn my spot on the team. So, you know, being a year removed from that and, you know, seeing the full 180, which I think a lot of it comes from, you know, having success on the field and, mm-hmm. um, doing things the right way but it was yeah definitely something that was still very special to say that I was you know voted team captain so or one of three team captains
1: yeah no doubt and again like I said getting back to uh, what was going on amidst that again you were drafted 2013 MLB draft in the 14th round by the Toronto Blue Jays and your minor league career spanning from 2013 to 2016 uh, LB, I'm curious. Again, that, that's the ultimate dream. Every kid grow, you know, that plays baseball growing up dreams of playing professional baseball. You got that opportunity. Just talk about draft day, getting that call, what that was like for you and then your minor league career when you look back on it, your biggest takeaways from playing professional baseball.
3: Yeah, for sure. So <laughs> the draft day was a little bit unique because we were playing at North Carolina. That was in supers. Okay. So you were um, playing
1: that day. I, I was curious. Cause it, normally that's how it goes, which I think is like the wackiest thing ever,
3: but yeah. you know, Yep. So I remember Espo came up to me before the game and he said, Hey, just talk to the Jays, um, you know, expect them to take you today. Um, which <laughs> it was the third, the third day of the draft. So I was like, well, I hope somebody's going to take me. <laughs> um, so we were it was the middle of the game I think it was like a 10 o'clock because the, the game had been we had a couple rain out so um it was a an early get uh, early day game um and I was on deck and someone in the stands yelled something about Canada like have fun in Canada and so at that point I was like that's kind of a weird thing to say long but um you know so after my at bat I came back in and my teammates told me hey you have been drafted but blue jays oh, that's awesome um but i was kind of expecting it because espo had kind of pref you know prepared me for it um and then as far as pro ball it was you know my first season was really uh kind of just a continuation of my senior year i think i hit a little over 300 with 10 homers and in a shortened season one league mvp and was like oh, this is just yeah, you know, it's the same deal just keep doing what you're doing um and I remember, I think one of my biggest takeaways was I was still naive to all the politics of pro ball. Mm. Um, I remember, yeah, like towards the end of our season in Vancouver, you know, so I was Vancouver's where I got sent to. I remember one of the guys on my team coming up and like, dude, I can't believe you haven't been sent up to to Lansing yet, which is our low A affiliate. I'm like, I don't really want to go to Lansing. They're 40 games below 500. We're about to start the playoffs, like why would I want to do that? Um, (laughs) and like, in hindsight, it's funny, but like, it's, it was really how I felt. And I think Mm -hmm. that was the biggest thing that I lost. Like, because I was, you know, you go from Carolina where you're playing in front of eight to 10,000 fans a game, right. Vancouver, we still had five to 6,000 a game. Um, so for me it was a step down, but I was like, all right, I can get on board with this. Like, this is cool. Um, and then you go to spring training and that's just like a, you know, herding cats and there's people everywhere and you kind of realize how many people you're playing with. They're trying to accomplish the same thing. So that was the first time that I kind of saw the, just that. Um, And I think I kind of played into other people's expectations of me a little bit too much. Mm -hmm. You know, I did hit 10 home runs in half of a season. So, and I played first base. I think in my head, I was supposed to be this power hitting first baseman. Right. But then you're, you're in BP groups with the double AA, A, triple A guys that are first basemen and they're hitting balls a mile like they are just their BP is so much more impressive. They just are bigger, stronger. Um, and then I think in my second year, I battled some injuries, but I really fell into the trap of trying to do that. Thinking, all right, if I'm going to play, I need to hit 30 homers this year. Um, and, you know, like you kind of alluded to and. It's different, you know. Hitting at Carolina, um, you can hit balls 380 and still squeak a home run out. You know, in a lot of parks, it's going to be a double. Um, so I just tried to to do too much that second year, mm-hmm. um, and I've thought about it a little bit too. And maybe it's just an excuse to make me feel better, but I think that as you, you know, I kind of got on this accelerated path where I, you know, that first year kind of got the attention of everybody in the organization. You know, I remember in spring training being, you know, there was this award ceremony and I was up on the stage for like everything. Um, so it was almost like, all right, this guy's fast track to the big leagues. Mm-hmm. Then you have a down year and it's like, all right, we're done. No, he wasn't as good as we thought. Um, whereas the guys that I played with in Vancouver that had a rough first year, they, you know, didn't do great, but they just got a little bit better every year kind of right. all of a sudden you look up and they've, slid all the way to to triple a and they're right on the verge of the big leagues where for me it was you know i started every game my second year didn't play very well i think i still hit like 240 something with but i only had six homers and like 300 and something at bat so it was a definitely a down year and then i was pretty much never a starter from that point on um so if i could have done it over again i would have tried to play more outfield um Sorry, I don't know if... Oh, you're good. No, you're good. Cool. Somebody just, yeah, somebody just called my phone. Um, I would have tried to play more outfield and, you know, focus more on being a doubles guy, an RBI guy instead right. of home runs. For sure.
1: Like you said, it's cutthroat. It's cutthroat, for sure. LB, this has been a lot of fun, man. I'm going to get you out of here. Last thing, though, before I let you go, again, from Fear the Fish to the, the NCAA Regionals in 2012 to going to Omaha to your to your last season in 2013, being named the captain. All the highlights we talked about. When you look back on your South kind career, uh favorite memory, something that sticks out, whether it be on field, off field with Coach Tanner, it could be something funny. What is there one thing from your time in Columbia, maybe something fans don't even know about that uh sticks out? And again, I, I'm sure there's uh there's plenty off field that that will keep uh behind closed doors. Right? Yeah. But is, but is there any what what sticks out to you about your time in Columbia?
3: Man, so I'm you know, so much. I'm just so grateful for as far as like specific memory, not a whole lot. I mean, I can, I don't know. It just all comes flooding back. I remember moving in vividly, just like, this is it. It's going to be the next phase of my career. Am I going to be able to make the team? Am I going to start, you know, through the fall? I think the on-field memory that we didn't really talk about that probably, you know, people ask me like, what's your most vivid memory of, you know being at carolina the, re- the the play that sticks out to me the most was we were playing oklahoma and this was to go to um go to the college world series mm. one out top of the ninth there was this backhand play in the hole that joey made that i remember being at third base and he like threw it off balance from like way deep in the hole should not have got the guy out but he did and that was when i first kind of was like all right you just made that play we're going to Omaha like this is I know we saw one out to go um because I think for me it was always the allure of winning the College World Series is great but really it's making it to Omaha you know that's what all teams everybody wants to do is let's make it to Omaha Um, so that was the biggest you know thing that we were chasing all year and then once you get there then let's try to win it we're already here Uh, but you got to do Get on the plane first to get out there. So that was the one. Obviously, I mean the the Clemson swing stands out that walk-off. Um but yeah, I mean the friendships, you know, I met my wife there, the tailgates, obviously. That's something now that I have a couple kids of my own, mm. I'm super excited to, you know, obviously once COVID is done, um get back for the football tailgates, the fans, the community all the support that we had, you know, it's just so easy to take it for granted, but so many college players don't have that experience. They don't have the, the support that we do. Um, And maybe coming from junior college, I appreciate it a little bit more just because I saw the other side and when you have to buy your own batting gloves and cleats and, you know, you do all the field duty yourself. Um, But yeah, it, it was definitely a special two years and something that as Shape me into who I am today. So I definitely enjoy Yeah, for sure. Well,
1: LB, this has been a lot of fun, man. It's been a, lo- a, lot, of, a lot of fun reminiscing. And again, I know I speak for all Gamecock Nation. We say we appreciate everything you did. Um, in Columbia, like I said, it was a ton of fun watching your career and, uh, you know, watching you hit all those home runs and make the impact you had, obviously, and uh, obviously the next level as well. And hey, fear the fish forever. <laughs> fear the fish forever. It lives on. It lives on. Absolutely. So again, yeah. he's LB Danzo. So I'm Chris Phillips. We appreciate you guys tuning in, and we'll catch you next time with an episode of the Spurs Up show.